Hello, everyone. You're listening to season two of the award-winning podcast, The Social Contract. I'm Tavia. I'm George. I'm Cleo. And I'm Maya. Welcome to this episode of The Social Contract, the new way to Saturday. Happy Saturday, everyone. This season of the Social Contract podcast follows 10-year-old BFFs Georgie and Gigi as they travel through time on a magical skateboard, meeting U.S. presidents throughout history. I wanted to start off with a big announcement. The Social Contract podcast has won several awards recently, including a Platinum Marcom Award for Entertainment Podcast, a Platinum.com Award for Kids and Family Podcast Series, and a Silver W3 Award for Kids and Family Podcasts. Yay! We are all just thrilled to be recognized and to know that our ever-expanding audience is enjoying what we do. On behalf of everyone at The Social Contract, thank you. We are humbled and honored, and we don't take this level of recognition lightly. For all the parents listening, it is with a sense of responsibility and civic awareness that we bring the Social Contract podcast into your households. Now, when we last saw the two Gs, they were making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with First Lady Rosalind Carter at a Habitat for Humanity construction site, having encountered President Jimmy Carter, first daughter Amy, and Amy's magical cat, Misty Malarkey Ying Yang. We also listened to Cleo's beautiful and deeply personal tribute to her one-time teacher, President Carter. This episode, Georgie and Gigi meet Carter's successor, the 40th President of the United States, Ronald Reagan, from whom the two Gs learn a lesson in forgiveness. But first, I wanted to check in with the social contract creators, George Corey and the artist Cleo. Here's our conversation. Cleo, you created word art, especially for this episode, and it's an interpretation of President Reagan's famous Morning in America speech. Can you tell me about these word art pieces, how you came up with the idea, and and tell me a little bit about what these mean to you? Sure. The vision of the shining city on the hill, meaning a society and folks living in a democracy in a thriving way, if we work towards it, if we work together. And when we speak to each other, we can have a very active, even loud discourse about disagreements. But as individuals talking to each other with great humanity, just like an iceberg, most of the issues that might underlie a society are beneath the surface. And so what I was trying to show was, in fact, that reflection of the darker side of the um, shining city on the hill and that dark side you always have to work against, meaning even if you disagree with somebody, you can disagree and debate. And that's what allows a democracy to thrive. How do we come together despite our differences? How can we forgive people that we disagree with or even ourselves when we fall short of our own standards that we've set? 
Even within our families, we may have different views, and those views may or may not change. I mean, we've heard folks talk about the fact that some of the divisions that have been stoked in our society have created situations where you can't even go to Thanksgiving dinner and have a discussion because people are so cemented in their views. So I think we really need to step back and remember what is important as humans and that in order to live within a society and govern ourselves, we have to respect that and forgive others. And the best way to do that is to respect each other. George, can you bring this back to kids, these ideas about respect and forgiveness to our young listeners? I think it's so important to understand that we ourselves are not perfect. And sometimes we hurt other people. We treat them without respect, or maybe we're just feeling bad and we're mean, say something hurtful or talk back to a teacher or talk back to our parents. So I think understanding that we're not perfect, nobody is perfect. And once you realize it, one, you can go and apologize. You can apologize in public. That's kind of hard to do. Mm. But you can also know that you have to forgive yourself too. You have to say, I did something wrong. I'm not perfect. I can apologize for it. I don't have to beat myself up for it. So I think it's important. I think forgiving others starts with forgiving ourselves. It's not about being perfect. It's just about learning and moving forward. You know, there's like a phrase that says progress, not perfection. And I think that's, mm. it. that's really core. I think that's a beautiful ending note that is so important to remember progress not perfection and to offer the same gentleness and love to ourselves that we also extend to others that's really beautiful george as always george and cleo everyone always inspiring and now let's join stephen as the continuing adventures of georgie and gigi Take us into the year 1981. Georgie and Gigi found themselves rolling down a hallway of what appeared to be a hospital. A security guard reprimanded them. No skateboarding in the hospital, kids. The two Gs apologized and immediately hopped off the board. What do you think we're doing in a hospital? Asked Georgie. I don't know, Gigi replied. I've only been to a hospital once before, when I was really young, for a tonsillectomy. What's that? It's when you have your tonsils taken out. Did it hurt? Asked Georgie, crinkling up his face. Not really, Gigi replied. And I could have as much ice cream as I wanted for a whole week. As they approached the nurse's station, there was a song playing softly on the radio about a man eating cars and bars and guitars. They'd never heard a song like that before, but they liked listening to it. It sounded strange, but cool. Excuse me, Gigi asked a nurse politely. This may sound like a strange question, but can you tell us what year it is? Very funny, the nurse smirked. You kids know as well as I do that it's 1981. They said thank you and scurried off. Oh, I know where we are, exclaimed Georgie. We learned in history class that somebody tried to assassinate President Ronald Reagan in 1981, shortly after he took office, remember? Yeah, Gigi replied. But he was okay, unlike poor Lincoln and poor JFK. Oh, they were both so nice. They spotted a lady who they both recognized from the postage stamp as First Lady Nancy Reagan. 
She was surrounded by Secret Service agents, and she was laughing. Mrs. Reagan must have already received the news that her husband was going to be just fine. The children approached and told her they wished the president a speedy recovery. Would you kids like to tell him yourselves? She asked. Ronnie would love the company from two little rays of sunshine. And everybody else around here is so old. Mrs. Reagan then led the two G's into her husband's hospital room. The kids knew that the 40th president had been a movie star before he was elected governor of California and then president of the United States. They had even watched one of Reagan's best-loved movies called Bedtime for Bonzo, about a professor who takes a chimpanzee home and tries to train it. Marie knew all about old movies, and she guessed that Georgie and Gigi would like that one. And they did. The three of them laughed so hard they almost fell off the couch. Even though he was older and now lying in a hospital bed, Reagan still looked very much like the young actor they remembered from the movie. And his hair was still pitch black. Reagan possessed that movie star quality, and his eyes sparkled as he was introduced to Georgie and Gigi. He had a great sense of humor, too. I'll give you two a couple of jokes that you missed, said Mrs. Reagan. When I got to the hospital, just after Ronnie was shot, he told me, honey, I forgot to duck. And when a team of doctors were brought in to operate on him, Ronnie, who's a Republican, you know, looked up and said, I hope you're all Republicans. Mrs. Reagan pecked her husband on the forehead and told him she'd be back in a little while to check on him. I leave you in good hands, she said with a wink. Georgie and Gigi, those sure are nice names, Reagan murmured, still feeling weak. I've got four kids of my own, Michael, Maureen, Patty, and Ron Jr. The two Gs offered to play with Reagan's kids. They could even teach them skateboarding tricks. Well, that's very nice of you, but they're a little older than you two, he told them. Georgie and Gigi excused themselves for a moment and stepped outside. Whispering so that no one could overhear them, they decided to help Reagan's speedy recovery by telling him a secret. They would reveal to him that he would become so popular that he would win re-election in 1984 in a landslide. 49 states! But when they returned to Reagan's side, he said he was feeling tired and wanted to take a nap. I know the feeling, Mr. President, Gigi told him. After I had my tonsils taken out, I felt like taking naps all the time. Reagan closed his eyes, but continued talking to them. Coming so close to death makes me feel I should do whatever I can in the years God has given me to keep the American people out of war and to fight the scourge of communism. Maybe that's the reason I am still alive. Indeed, Reagan would become well-known for championing democracy and fighting against communism during his presidency. History would recognize his efforts to bring an end to the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union, and to reduce the threat of nuclear war. Are you mad at the guy who shot you? Georgie asked. Well, yes, Reagan said softly. But I forgive him. You do? Asked Gigi. Does that mean you don't want him to go to jail? Reagan opened one eye and looked at her. Young lady, I may be a forgiving man, but I'm not a fool. Besides, actions have consequences. If you do something wrong, you may be forgiven, 
but you still have to take responsibility for your actions. As Reagan drifted into a deep sleep, he dreamt of putting his hand on his heart and watching the American flag blowing mightily against a clear blue sky. Then, in the distance, he saw what looked like two kids gliding through the clouds. On a skateboard? What a truly fantastic story and a great lesson in forgiveness. As the great American writer Mark Twain once said, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. Let's all heed those words in our own lives, kids and adults alike. Now, Maya's been waiting in the wings with this episode's very fun questions. What have you got for us, Maya? Thanks, Tavia. Before he was elected president, Ronald Reagan held another very important office. Was he A, governor of California, B, mayor of New York City, or C, secretary of state under President Nixon? The correct answer is A, Ronald Reagan was governor of California. What was First Lady Nancy Reagan's career before she became First Lady of California and then First Lady of the United States? Was she A, an actress, B, a nurse, or C, a podcast host? Well, I don't think they had podcasts back then, so C is out. If you guessed A, you got the right answer. Good job, Maya. That brings us to the conclusion of our 10th episode. Wow, this season has flown by. We welcome you to follow The Social Contract wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Remember, new episodes drop on the last Saturday of the month. We hope you'll catch us next on November 25th. Yes, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, when Georgie and Gigi travel to Hawaii and then to Chicago, Illinois, where they'll befriend none other than President Barack Obama. Spoiler alert, they even get President Obama to hop on a skateboard, but it's not what you think. Tune in and find out. In the meantime, check out our website at mytscpodcast.com. And remember to look for Cleo's new word art series in the illustrated show transcript, as well as on theartistcleo.com. The Social Contract Podcast is created by George S. Corey and Cleo, produced and hosted by Tavia Gilbert. Music courtesy of Listen Audio. Mix and master by Kayla Elrod. Additional dialogue editing by Kathleen Conti. Production coordinator for TalkBox, Brian Wilson. Social manager, Suzette Burton. Production supervisor, Tatiana St. Fard. This has been a podcast from Listen Audio in association with TalkBox Productions. On behalf of George, Cleo, Maya, Stephen, and me, Tavia, thank you for listening.